Flash. Ah. Not that flash. I know. <laughs> Although I did do a choreographed dance dressed as the wrong flash to that song Flash when I was like seven or eight. Like. I choreographed my own dance, but it was around being somebody <laughs> ran really fast because I didn't know the difference. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Is there a video of this? <laughs> like you like spastically running around really fast and dancing to Queen in a Flash costume? Well, it was like not even a Flash costume. Like I like covered myself in red construction paper and made <laughs> lightning bolts. Sorry, it's really great. I mean, okay. I remember it was videotaped, but I only remember it was videotaped because my mom wanted me to do it for her friends, and I refused to do it in front of people besides my mom. So that's that's that memory. Oh, so much shame just welled up inside me for some oh, reason. Oh, no. Right, no. Push it, pushing it back down. Push it down, push, push it, it down. down. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Hello and welcome to The Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightingintheworroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Thursday, September 15th. We've been gone for two weeks. This is issue number 27. Welcome back. Hello, Dave. Hey, yeah. We seem to be like bi-weekly. I don't know. It's... It's a weird time in both comics and comic-adjacent culture, where it's like, there hasn't been a superhero movie, there's no TV, uh, the comic events are all wrapping up or wrapped up, except for goddamn Secret Wars, which got extended through December. Oh, man. It's just, it's weird, it's weird timing. That's, that's why we disappear and come back. But never a dull moment while we're actually never. on the air. Never, ever a dull moment. Uh, first of all, do you have some homework for us at the top of the show that you want to dole out to listeners? Well, I just want to ask, I mean, I also want to ask you, Joanna, uh, in, I have two questions of stuff we should read. Uh, first of all, uh, Loeb and Sales is Captain America White, which has been in progress for a while, and we thought it was dead. Why has it got to be a white Captain America? Well, they do, like, color Sorry, retellings <laughs> of Marvel stories, so they have, like, you know, okay. Hulk Gray and Spider-Man Blue and uh, Daredevil Yellow. I'm sure I might be missing one, maybe. Anyway, Captain America White's finally started coming out. Are, are we going to read that? I'm not, like, a huge uh, Jeff Loeb fan, as we might have discussed, but uh, every time we discuss that, uh, I get a whole bunch of people, including comic book professionals, on Twitter telling me I'm full of crap. So I was thinking maybe if I was going to have to read it just to make myself feel better, that maybe we could both read it? Uh, sure. What like what should I know about Captain America White? I mean, I think the key is that we don't really have to know anything at the okay. moment, except that uh, issue number one came out this week. Uh, it has been a project that... I think we've known about it for like three to five years or something, but it looked like it was never coming out. And then all of a sudden it was on uh, distribution slates. So Captain America White, it lives. Uh, it's probably going to be like a mini series 
uh, all the rest of them were. So I'd say like we're making like a five to seven issue commitment. But it's going to be a Captain America story told uh, by Jeff Loeb, who is running Marvel Television. So maybe may interesting. But yeah. So uh, reader, readers, if you also want to join the Captain America White thing, I guess we'll be checking in with thoughts on Captain America White from uh, week to week or month to month or however the publication schedule goes. I will definitely know that next time we talk about it. And, and if you want to get like really deep, like swim around until your fingers get all pruny in this like weird Captain America Bucky uh, ship bromance thing that is sweeping pop culture. Um from what I've seen, I'm looking now and, and I have seen a little bit about this this book and it, it looks to really take a very poignant, poignant, poignant look at Steve and Bucky, uh, you know, which makes sense uh, with Captain America 3 coming up and, and all of that. So I, I didn't know that. It, I didn't know until this uh, most recent sort of round of footage around Captain America, that sort of thing, that the Steve Bucky quote unquote ship was was such a strong one on on the internet. I knew about Hulk and Iron Man, but I didn't know about Cap and and uh, and Bucky. So, you know, that might just put you in the right mindset to get all emo teenagery about it. If you if you're so inclined. That's true. And I just googled it. It was supposed to come out 7 years ago. 7 years ago. So, that's how delayed this Captain America. That's how is. good it's going to be. Uh, had I don't know. Seven years to make it better. As someone just... who waited three years for the entire Kevin Smith <laughs> Spider Man Black Cat arc, it's like the longer isn't always better. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. That's what she said. Okay, what? Uh, the important thing is that I don't really like Jeff Loeb, but that's my personal opinion. I've listened to all of you yelling me to tell me to give him another try. We're going to give him another try. And yes, of course, there's some Batman stuff that you have to like. That his, it's, it's a nuanced argument that maybe we'll revisit later. But. Also in the group read, um, we're going to do a speedster overview before season two of Flash. Uh, we'll cover some of this uh, in what we've been reading. I've started, um, and I think that if Joanna wants to, she should pick up some of it. I'm reading as much as I can to, to find out the origins of the different speedsters and the different reverse flashes, of which there are a lot. So it's like I don't think we're going to be giving Joanna like impulse one to four or something to read. But I was going to say, Joanna, is there like a is there a particular Flash character or something about the Flash that you're curious about, and maybe we could all read along with that? Do you have? Did I give you enough information to make a choice, or should we wait until after the what I've been reading? <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah, maybe talk about what you've been reading, and then and then I'll weigh in. Okay, okay. So, so, hey, Dave, what have you been reading? Hey, sweet. Well, let's start with the Flash because I've been reading okay. lots of Flash stuff. Um, to sort of pick up uh, the things I already knew about the Flash, obviously, is the uh, Barry Allen uh, our Volume One arc, where he's the Flash and uh, he breaks Zoom's neck and goes on trial and then disappears in the Speed Force in Crisis on Infinite Earths. So I decided to pick up uh, with Wally West because I sort of dipped in and out in the '90s. Uh, so I read uh, basically like the Wally West Year One sort of reorigin story by Mark Wade, which is Volume Two, issues sixty-two to sixty-five. And basically, Wally West gets his powers by like literally being with Barry Allen, and except Barry's disguised as the Flash, and he's like, "Oh, I got my powers like this. The chemicals were lined up like this, and then lightning strikes, and lightning actually strikes." So it feels a little weird, but. In terms of the psyche of Wally West, it's great to see how that sort of started and how he um, manages to save his father from a tornado, unlike a certain Man of Steel. 
And then uh, Return of Barry <laughs> Allen, uh, which would be Volume 2, uh, Issue 73 to 79. Wally West is... Uh, just getting used to being the Flash, and uh, Barry Allen shows up in Christmas and sort of isn't super psyched that Wally West took over the mantle of the Flash, and it re- sort of reestablishes in Wally's mind why he is like the ultimate Flash and why he stayed a Flash until the mid two thousands in the minds of everybody, including people like watching animated series, Justice League, what have you. Uh, then I moved on to Terminal Velocity, which is Volume Two. Uh, Issues 95 through 100 and issue zeros thrown in there, I think, between 97 and 98. But you can kind of read it anywhere. This is um, Wally West realizes that he's going faster and faster, but as he approaches the speed of light, he starts hearing the call of the speed force and uh, the realizes... The call of the speed force. Yes. I think, I think Jack London wrote that one, right? <laughs> well, Terminal Velocity is actually... As, uh, it's a love story between him and Linda because the speed force is sort of alluring and he sees the future and he knows the future is inalterable and he knows that, you know, he needs to join the speed force. So he gets all the other speedsters who exist currently in the DC universe to kind of come together and they all talk about the speed force and then they take down a villain and uh, Flash has to sort of choose between being the best he possibly can be and uh, his love for Linda. And then also some weird stuff with Kid Flash, but like if you've read stuff leading up to Terminal Velocity, that you'll be much more invested in the Kid Flash impulse stuff. But uh, otherwise, it sort of reads weird because while Mark Wade was writing it, they gave Impulse a book uh, that was going to start after Terminal Velocity, so you sort of had to tweak the story to make that character uh, enter and exit and be a little bit more uh, vital. I'm trying not to actually spoil what the story's about. That's why it sounds okay. Like a all right. So I'm going to I'm going to interject and say yes. Given that I know the Barry Allen Barry Allen origin story of the show The Flash. Yes. Um I am intrigued by getting to know another speedster. Is Wally West going to be a character on The Flash this season? He is and we're it's presumably the Kid Flash version of him. So okay. it'll be um for a while Barry Allen and Wally West existed at the same time. Uh, and uh, Wally West was Kid Flash. But if you want to read something that's going to be more retcons to what Wally West will probably be like, that would be uh, Volume 2, Issues 62 to 65 that I was talking about. It's sort of like a year one of Wally West's story. Okay, so that's what I think I'll do. I'll do Wally West, the year one, Volume 2, Issues 62 through 65. Um and yeah, that sounds like a great way to dip into some Flash books. And then we are going to do, as promised, an all Speedster episode, I think. Uh, I'm going to let Dave do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's going to be great. But but if you guys want to read along with Wally West Year One, Volume 2, Issues 62 through 65, um, I will be reading that as well. So Awesome. In that case, I'll save the rest of the Flash reading that I did for that episode. Um, Non-Flash, I picked up Rat Queens uh, number 6 through 10. So I'm almost all caught up. They're through 11. But I did the second arc, which was super good and involved tentacle monsters, which is something that, you know, And Faith. Sure. Sure it did, Joanna. But yes, it It, did. And and parentage. Parenting and Faith. Come on. (sighs) That's fine. I'm I'm still in it because it's 
like a D&D campaign that I'm currently playing and it's just so great to see it hit all the I mean notes. it yes there's also tentacles there's tentacles and like uh like I don't know what do you call it sorcerer rivalry I don't know what to call the like Yeah there's a lot of good mage jokes yeah, about like yeah. uh different kinds of being mages anyway Good, it's still good. Raccoon's still good. A lot of you are picking that up or tweeting at us that you're picking it up the most. Yeah, so. I'm so I'm so happy to see it pick up like steam, and I get to feel really hipster about it because I talked about it like a year ago. So that's right. You I'm glad you guys are all thing. getting on board. I'm the only one that encouraged anyone to read Rat Queens ever. It's all on me. My neighbor kid apparently agrees. I don't know if you can hear him yelling, but the no, kid next door is yelling. Good. So. Four rat queens. That's Four the way you queens. want it. Yes. Or okay. he knows that I'm about to say that I also read Star Wars Shattered Empire number one, what? which is the first comic to take place after Return of the Jedi and appears to be about Poe Dameron's parents, the Oscar Isaac's parents, for right. those of I you gotcha. who, yeah, just for, yeah. for everybody. Um, who definitely were around at the Battle of Endor. And maybe he was alive then, maybe not. But in terms of the Star Wars books, definitely the one with the best art. Uh, Darth Vader still has the best story, but uh, Star Wars Shattered Empire's art is amazing. And even if you just are like in the comic book store and want to leaf through a few panels of that one, really, if you're going to pick up something for like ultra-detailed space and atmosphere battle art, I mean, I don't know what you would have picked up before this, but pick this up. It is beautiful. And uh, cool. that's, what, that's what I've been reading. So they're calling it Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens? Is that what they're calling it? Journey to The Force Awakens. Journey to The Force Awakens. I also read okay. both the novels. Uh, or it's young adult novel and Aftermath and then a couple other novels. But I think those are the only ones that are set post-Return of the Jedi. Yeah, man. When we want to talk about that, I'm ready. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so what am I reading? I read uh, I read issues one through six of Giant Days, and I believe that's all there that is. That's by John Allison, art by Lisa Tremaine, and it's great. It's from Boom, which is doing a lot of really great uh, comics for uh, you know geared at women, geared at a younger audience. I think it's a really cool sort of effort by them. This this story tells it's about uh you know three college or university age friends, uh three girls. There um there's no magic, you know there's no supernatural. There's no sci fi. It's just three friends, but it's funny. The girls are really different and cool, and and it's set in England, so there's a lot of Britishisms, and it's just it's oh it's just really great read. Um, nice art, just good, you know, lovely female friendship sort of stuff. Um, I kind of hate that I am so susceptible to like whatever the version of chick flicks are in comic books, but I am like these chick flick comic books are really, um, you know, like which Rat Queen sort of falls into, even though it's got this like D and D slant to it. And I would say that Giant Days is like the mundane version of Rat Queens where you've got this like goth chick and this sort of nerdy shy chick and then this brass sort of like butch chick and they're hanging out and they're friends and yeah it's just it's really delightful so i would check it out well um if people are worried about you being too uh, girly you got that other thing you're reading yes i do okay well well really quickly i should say i read new archie issue number two um which 
had a lot of Archie being clumsy, which is like a plot I forgot about from the Archie. Co- I mean, it's classic Archie. I just forgot about it. So um, that that was really funny. And the next one is the Jughead issue. So I'm really excited about that. Okay. And then, yes, uh, to counterbalance the estrogen, I have started reading uh, the classic comic book Preacher, which is, uh, you know, I, I was trying last night to nail down what the – atmosphere of preacher is um which came out in, what 1995 i think mm-hmm. um and we were like tarantino yeah it's got like tarantino kevin smith a little bit of neil gaiman um and we were but like maybe even more like macho boy i mean i'm, I'm i should say i'm liking it so I, I don't mean to like be insulting it i like it i was just trying to it is a huge reversal from what I've been reading. Um, no, it, it has a big penis between its legs. Yeah, even though it's yeah. a it's a comic book, like uh, like Boondock Saints. You're like, I don't yeah. know what it is about this yeah. movie, but this movie is really aggressive with being masculine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm only a couple issues in, um, and you know, I'm going to keep reading it. Uh, it's got some interesting religious stuff going on. Obviously, I'm really interested. Well, it was interesting because I read it and then I went and read who they had cast in the series. Which I already knew, but now that I had actually read it, it meant the news actually meant something to me. Um, the Dominic Cooper thing is interesting because I'm not sure I'm ever I've ever been convinced by him doing an American accent. Uh, <laughs> certainly not uh, as Howard Stark, but. Um, yeah, so for him to do like a small town preacher accent, I'm a little I'm a little dubious about. But um the guy that they cast to play, it's Cassidy, right? The vampire yeah. is is great. And um, you know, they snagged that woman from uh Marvel's Agents of Shield. Yeah, right uh, to play Daisy. I yeah. Her real name. Yeah, I forget her name, real name too. The flower girl. Uh so yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I'm excited. I'm really, really. I love. I mean, you talked about this on Fighting in the War Room, uh, the you know the Mothership podcast, but um, just the notion of adaptation is like you know yours and my favorite topic sometimes. And so I get really excited thinking about a TV show coming of this great story that means so much to so many people that I'm that I'm just now dipping into. So yeah. I'm excited, and I'm yeah. excited to see how it turns out. And for you to get deeper into it. I read this so early on that now if I see any Steve Dillon art, I'm like, wait, wait, you don't belong in this universe. I know. I saw everything (laughs) in that universe over like 60 some issues. Yeah. Oh, man. Preacher. Yeah. Uh, There's some ugly stuff in that um, story. Uh, And it kind of just like admires you in the ugliness of it. But there's a point to it ultimately at the end, I thought. But you know, it's like it's like core Ennis for people who read a lot of Garth Ennis. That's that's where that's that's the the, the Garden of Eden, the source, the the something tree, the something tree, the tree of knowledge. <laughs> what, yeah, sure, the whatever, the whatever tree, the tree of knowledge with a big giant penis. Yeah, also. like yes. opposite that tree in uh, the last <laughs> unicorn, <laughs> which I just watched again um, recently. That's so weird. It's just weird. Uh, it's so good though can you believe that that movie's been out for like decades and red bull's been around for like over a decade and no one's actually asked the creators of red bull if that's where they got the name even the author's like i suspect the book was popular (laughs) like somebody just do some journalism and put these two things together wow 
Anyway, um, well, maybe that person should be you. Yeah, maybe. I maybe that person should be you. Hello, I'm uh, Dave Gonzalez calling for a Red Bull PR representative from the Thought Bubble <laughs> podcast. I mean, or if you listeners out there want to make this connection once and for all. All right, we are going to roll on um, off the printed page onto the TV screen or your computer screen or your iPad or your phone or however you watch Netflix uh, to talk about the Luke Cage series. We have our first set photos from Luke Cage. First of all, like the, the Luke Cage official account tweeted out some images. Then there's also been some some sniper some sniper photos of Alfred Woodard and uh, Maharshala Ali. Is that how you pronounce his name? I'm just from, so happy that you did both those names. <laughs> Twitter, it's easy. Uh, from uh, House of Cards and uh, Hunger Games, etc. Uh, on set, and I don't know, you know, he's wearing a suit. She's, we- I mean, there's really not much information. Um, but but something I brought up when when more of the casting news came out about the series was, um, like, wouldn't it be interested if interesting if there were no lead characters who were Caucasian on this series. And then someone said that they thought that was a bad idea because then it would be like Marvel being like, oh, this is our person of color series. But I don't know. I mean, like there are plenty of series well, okay. where there's all white people. And so it's like, okay, well, why not? Like, I mean, I don't know. Not not to be like, this is our person of color series, but just be like, yeah, you know what? This time we didn't have any parts for any white white dudes named Chris or white ladies. So Sorry. Well, you I'm know. glad somebody brought this up because 20 nor now, this calendar, <laughs> this is not this calendar year, but this like rotation around the sun is Marvel's reckoning with its black audience. So like, it's no mistake that Luke Cage and Black Panther are kind of hitting one-two punch, even though that Black Panther really has no reason to be in Civil War. Um, it's because these are, you know, characters that are being reclaimed for the modern era and the modern uh, black audience. They were... Black power, you know, the one black person showing up in Marvel comic books in their various runs uh, for a while. And then Heroes for Hire, very much uh, with Luke Cage, was about the idea that no one was dealing with Harlem. So they couldn't, you know, was left to a black superhero that had to rely on like commerce and capitalism. So hopefully, you know, whoever's they took long enough writing this Marvel series that uh, somebody really leans into that. And the fact that Luke Cage is going to be introduced in Jessica Jones and will eventually show up in other Netflix crossover series, I don't think would ghettoize a Luke Cage all-black lead series. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, no. I hope, I hope it'd be great. And it would represent Harlem like Harlem should be represented. That's, like, as much what I'm worried about is, like, if I would be less concerned with them whitewashing characters than if they whitewash a whole New York neighborhood. Because Marvel, Marvel's comics have been so connected to the real history of New York, uh, either by portraying it um, starry-eyed, uh, you know, kumbaya version, or by, by portraying the realities of it, portraying the realities of it, that um, it would be unfortunate if they're like, and everything's been fine in Harlem, Hell's Kitchen, that's where the problems are, where in reality <laughs> it's like completely switched. Um, uh, we should mention that the rest of the cast of Luke Cage uh, includes Rosario Dawson, of course, uh, Simone Missick, and Theo Rossi. Theo Rossi, I'm not, I'm actually, I don't want to sit here and say what his, uh, I just like scanned on Wikipedia to see what his uh, ethnicity is. I mean, he played a Latino on Sons of Anarchy. He sounds like he might be Italian, so I don't, I don't really know. But like, um, 
I'm, and I'm actually like, whatever. I mean, I agree with everything you say. I think it's really interesting. As you say, the African-American audiences, both um, in television and film, you know, after this hit of Empire and Straight Outta Compton and that horrible Bible movie, like cannot be ignored, you know, the power of that audience. And so you can call it pandering if you want to, or you can just call it, you know, recognizing you know, the diversity of your audience. And as you say, for the story, just portraying the actual reality of a neighborhood. Um, well, I mean, so- basically, you, I could almost call it that if they're smart, they'll reference the fact the last time we've been, you know, north of 59th Street in a goddamn Marvel movie is when they let Hulk and Abomination fight in Harlem with basically, <laughs> like, no consequence to the actual people who did it. So oh my God. Yeah. I would hope that, you know, these villains are politicians. I hope that they're basically arguing, like, you know, the Marvel... It's Tony Stark's, uh, you know, world below 34th Street or whatever, but up here it's anything goes because they're just going to let the Hulk trash all our shit. So, like, there's there's a way to make this about commentary and there's a way to do like uh, even next year with black Panther, like Wakanda is so cool as a country because it's never been dominated even through colonialism. Uh, it's like a big part of its history is they don't bend the knee. So like if there's man, if Marvel, it just, it doesn't go tone deaf and is able to step up to their black audience uh, we're just going to be so much more behind them when they start doing it to women, which could have come first. But, you know, it's, as long as for, it's for women, for women, for women. <laughs> well, I was going to that's a good way to zag to Jessica Jones. But I do want to say really quickly that, you know, all ethnicity, race conversation aside, and it's a very important conversation to have. But that aside, I'm really excited about Theo Rossi because he was one of my favorite parts of Sons of Anarchy until that entire TV series went south for the winter. Um, and uh, But his character, that actor, I've always liked him. I'm really excited to see him folded in to the Marvel Universe. Um, okay, and so let's talk about Jessica Jones, which um, as opposed to fuzzy, fuzzy set photos, uh, we have official, glossy, beautiful uh, photos of the, of the Jessica Jones characters. Yeah, Jessica um, Jones, colon, scarves. Um, And I was going to say that, um, you know, as you say, for women, you know, Jessica Jones is not an all female cast, obviously. But when you've got two promo photos for a Marvel property, one is Carrie Ann Moss talking to Kristen Ritter and the other is uh, Kristen Ritter talking to the actress playing Hellcat, who I can't remember her name. So basically, Um, like, if your promo photos give me hope that you pass the Bechdel test. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, maybe they're not talking about boys. It's possible. Probably they're talking about Purple Man and or Luke Cage and or Daredevil, probably. But maybe they're not. Maybe they're actually just passing the Bechdel test in their promo photos alone, um, which would be really, really cool. So maybe they are doing it for women first this time um anyway uh yeah they look great you know david Tennant looks great as Kilgrave, and um it's funny though the hellcat character i i didn't realize this because i hadn't read alias when the whole casting thing happened but the hellcat character seems kind of obviously slated into the carol danvers role right is that accurate do you think it looks like it's going to be yeah. So, you know, that's just because they can't use Carol Danvers because she's going to, you know, sh- pop up elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Probably. Right? 
Yes, she will pop up elsewhere. So, <laughs> you know, they're putting this Hellcat character, which is a character, according to Twitter today, Twitter is very defensive of Hellcat as a character. I was not knocking Hellcat. I was just saying it looks like they were like, hmm, we can't do Gerald Danvers. Let's do another blonde girl as, you know, the person who talks to Jessica Jones about things. So there you go. Uh, what do you, What did you think of the promo photos? Uh, Luke Cage being the bartender makes a ton of sense of why they're hanging out now. Uh, it felt a little weird for them to just happen across each other since they're both super. And like, I don't think we're going to pick up with a whole bunch of backstory for Jewel. I mean, I think that'll be revealed because obviously her trauma with the purple man is going to have to be revealed. And right. uh, the latter episode titles are called like Luke Cage and Jewel. But the idea that they don't know each other, she's just a drunk is so much cooler in terms of a way into that backstory uh, than like starting off with a preamble or them already knowing each other from back in the day because then they get to discover <laughs> they're both heroes which is great it gives yeah. us some time uh, with them talking to each other that's a good theory and maybe not having anal sex we'll see <laughs> okay um, is there anything else you want to say about Jessica Jones uh, David Tennant's really just leaning into the widow's peak but you know you might as well why wouldn't he? Um, oh, yeah. I, I did want to say, I think this happened while we weren't recording, that they also released the teaser and, and the release date. The release date, I believe, is November 27th. I think that's right. Yeah. And, um, you know, the promo, like the first Daredevil promo, doesn't feature any footage. But but this one has more, you know, it has art. And I think it kind of looks like the alias art a little bit, at least. Uh, you know, you see the you know, alias investigations uh, door and you see obviously alcohol and that sort of stuff. So I, I liked the teaser. I thought it looked really cute. So yeah. And it's all in the purple man's colors. Cause apparently yeah. he tinges everything says showrunner in the YouTube mm. video where he explained it. But yeah, that's a uh, interestingly, um, what six months to the month from, uh, daredevil. So it looks like daredevil season two next May, if they do one every six months and then there Luke Cage next November. November's and May's. Also, well, sh- you think they're shooting now for a November series? Do I think, think they're shooting now, Luke Cage now? Yeah. Yeah, because the way that, uh, I mean, like, Netflix is working, like... They shot the, 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 like, the span between it- shooting Jessica Jones and Jessica Jones coming out was shorter than over a year. I feel like it's usually six, around five to six months out from when they shoot. So, I mean, I, I know that Daredevil season two is coming next, but what if we got Luke Cage in the summer or something like that? That's possible. The only reason I would say that it's at least later is, I mean, if I were, I'm going to talk completely out of my ass now, listeners. If, right, I, were in, if I were in charge of doing this, I would... Uh, since Luke Cage had a little bit of uh, problems in the scripting phase, bank that and hold on to it. And if it, it if it ends up being awesome, uh, maybe postpone Daredevil and release them both in the summer. Because Daredevil at this point, if it hits in May, is going to hit like weeks after Civil War. And that's just might be too much. It might yeah. be like if you go to the theaters, there's Marvel and you stay home and you go and you're, oh, nope, here's also Marvel. And it's like they don't really need to do that. But I would totally bank uh, as many of these projects as you can because Netflix can just be like, oh, maybe maybe next week and then drop it, which is so much better than like a uh, TV company. But I would uh, I, th- I would say that 
if they finished it, they already had that writer's room together, shoot Luke, Luke Cage, give it a whole bunch of time in post-production if you need, uh, and then just have more Marvel stuff and push forward. Because it's like, uh, the more you hold on to stuff, I guess, the more the Marvel bubble starts to deflate. So you might as well like get as much stuff as possible before like you know, Avengers Infinity War Part 1 jumps the shark or whatever. I feel like it's going to be so long between ant-man and captain america civil war almost a year right that i mean we'll have jessica jones in november but maybe they would they would do better to release luke cage early like in march or february and then maybe release daredevil opposite suicide squad in the summer or something like that or maybe you know i I don't i can't i'm not a counter programmer so i don't know what what the nastiest move would be in terms of like Haha, ha, we're going to fuck with your Suicide Squad release, uh, Warner Brothers. I don't know. Right. Or, I mean, your, or your Batman v Superman release. I mean, I it would know. be, it would, uh, the whole point of having Batman v Superman in March is so you are really daring people to, like, go up against it. It's like, it's a bad idea in the first place, but also who just throws something in March to see if it works just to, like, kick dirt in the face of WB? <laughs> but, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird because. I talked at the beginning of the show, we're in like a superhero lag and ideally you don't want that to be happening. Like someone should be filling the gap. Marvel is a little bit by, you know, showing some post secret wars stuff and previews like we're going to talk about next. But uh, yeah, November seems late to me because I would have thought you would have wanted to have something on Netflix to counter program uh, the CW shows hitting at the top of October. But apparently that's not a thing. I don't know. I don't know. I still All think right. Daredevil and Daredevil. This is why we are not executives. That's right. Dare, yes. I'm going to say Daredevil and May just because. <laughs> yeah, they're going to. Yeah, although I think it would they're be like smart. maybe they're like if it if it ain't broke like, you know, it did yeah. so well. So. I think it's totally different that in terms of Captain America is like bubblegum highlighting Marvel universe where like the civil war battle happens on a fully lit tarmac in the middle of the day that, you know, maybe some dark daredevil is the good counter programming to themselves for some reason. Could be. All right. You want to talk about this post secret wars, uh, uh, X-Men shot across the bow sort of controversy. I mean, so you and I can't remember if we talked about this at all on the podcast before. <laughs> so if we did, I apologize. But it's, it, you know, Dave was already talking about this a while ago, but now more people have caught on uh, to this in comic book on the page storyline that may be reflecting some studio battles. Do you want to tell us what's going on, Dave? Right. Okay, so I think we talked about it in the sense that I said the X-Men would maybe go to space. Um, that still might happen, but basically the impetus for what I thought why that would happen is totally happening, which is that Marvel's shying away from both the Fantastic Four and the X-Men because those are owned by Fox. And Marvel uh, comic books. Marvel comics, yes. Yes. So it's like... Um, I'll put a link to my geek.com article, but I have a photo of like uh, the original like Secret Wars comic page that has all these Marvel heroes busting out, and then a t-shirt they made of it where they replaced all the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, with like Iron Fist and Black Panther and Thor, but like Marvel That's Cinematic hilarious. Universe characters. <laughs> um, Marvel's wow. big yearly poster that they do of the entire Marvel universe has uh, pushed uh, Fantastic Four and mutants either off to the side or they're not there at all if they're like a side character. 
um, but definitely changed in the fact that the Fantastic Four are not front and center like they were at last year's poster. Fantastic Four has been canceled altogether. Reed and Sue Richards and Doctor Doom are not showing up in anything post-Secret Wars that we've seen yet. And now we've gotten our first preview of Extraordinary X-Men, which is going to be part of the all-new, all-different Marvel line. And on page three, it turns out that the Terrigen Mists, which were exploded during the Infinity Event and are now floating around the atmosphere of Earth, have not only sterilized all mutants, but is actually poisoning them, causing oh something God. that they're calling uh, M-pox. Uh, at least people are calling that. Hopefully the mutants have a cooler name for that. But... Um, yeah, they're getting sick, and there are no new mutants being born. So I would guess this is what's going to, or at least when I was speculating that they had to go into space, it was because Earth was toxic because of the Terrigen Mists. So it looks like that part's happening. Wow. So X-Men away. But, I mean, you can't cancel the X-Men books because they are they do sell, unlike the Fantastic Four books, which they were able to cancel and not really have a hurt on the bottom line. So now they're going to phase them into space. And if you want to stick around, that's cool. But otherwise, they're in humans on Earth, and they're kind of like the mutants. So maybe nobody will notice. Wow. And there's a, new, there's, crazy. A new, there's a new Wolverine. I'm pretty sure. Sh- there's a new X-23, which is the female Wolverine clone, is going to take the mantle of Wolverine and be trained like a samurai way through old man Logan, uh-huh. who survived the, the thing. So I'm not sh- the Secret Wars is the thing. So I'm not sure if they're going to be on Earth, and maybe it's because their healing factor, you know, keeps them uh, not infected by Mpox. Like, that's been a way out for Wolverines before. In which case, that would also keep people like Deadpool, even though he's not a mutant, he is a Weapon X healing factor guy, so technically that would work for him. So there might be a way for those characters to stick around, but I think the majority of your X-Men are going into space, which is something that they've been tooling about uh, for a while. All new X-Men went to space for a while. Cyclops went to space to go with his dad, who ended up being like a space traveler. So, you know, there's stuff for the X-Men out there. It just, uh, yeah. It I humans. guess it just feels, it feels nasty. Like, it just does. And, like, I get I get why. But it's just X-Men are such important characters. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, well, we talked about, like, different parts of this on different episodes. Like, there was that X-Men TV series that Marvel tried yeah. to do after selling the rights. And that got everybody in trouble. And there's the, you know, Inhumans are slowly becoming the mutants. And now... Yeah. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are humans, not mutants. And so you could retcon things out like that. But it's been happening for a while. It's just now Extraordinary X-Men is going to do it. Yeah, but it's been happening a while on the screen. But now it's really affecting the page, right? Yeah, yes. I mean, it's been happening a lot for a long time in marketing. It's like t-shirts, posters, stuff like that. If it came from Marvel, it only had like the MCU characters on it. And that could have just been, you know, of course, because that they were selling that. But now they're actively removing X-Men and Fantastic Four from things, and that includes the comics. Okay, so there's a couple tangential things we want to talk about in terms of this. First of all, what's one of the upshots of, of, uh, of X-Men going into space, Dave, in terms of a famous character now being played by another famous character do you mm. is that how you say it being played by is is another character? yeah kitty pride's the new star lord because star lord's going to find out his truth about something he's going to do some solo stuff peter okay, quill so, is going to be peter quill and so star lord has become star lady okay uh first of all star lady is such a dumb name sorry i mean it is um 
but okay, yeah. So Kitty Pride, who was played by Ellen Page in the films, uh, is now Star Lady. So what does the title of Star Lord, Star Lady mean? I mean, like what 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 duties does Starler have? How can Peter Quill like because Star Lord didn't seem to me to be like Thor or Captain Well Thor is Thor, really like Captain America or Iron Man. It didn't seem to be like a, a title that comes with you know, a a costume. It was because I only know the movie. So explain to me, since I'd never read uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy comic book, like what does the title of Star-Lord mean? How can it now be someone else? Ah, well, I mean, I think this, it's more um, cosmetic because they're trying to get new people on. So like, of course, like Star Lady, but actually like Peter Quill is royalty. He is a Lord from the stars. That's where it comes from. His dad, uh, Jason. But not in the films, on the plane, on the on the page. Like, in why films, is it called? In yeah. the films, because it sounds cool, which is yeah, one exactly. of the great the great writing twists. And yeah. so now, uh, yeah, Kitty Pride's going to be on the new Guardians of the Galaxy in the Star Lord position. Rocket Raccoon's now leading it, and the Thing is not on the Fantastic Four. He's on the Guardians of the Galaxy, as is Venom, which he's been there for a while. But that makes total sense because the symbiote's an alien, so that's where it, that's. Okay, if there's going to be so a Spider-Man, that's, that's who it should be. They're not totally shunting these characters aside. You know, they're folding X-Men, you know, the thing from Fantastic Four and Kitty Pryde from X-Men into Guardians of the Galaxy, which is definitely a Marvel Cinematic Universe property. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, they're know. keeping the two popular Fantastic Four members. Uh, Human Torch, I think, is in some Inhumans book. He's on an Inhumans team, I believe. And the things, uh, you know, in space. Uh, but, like, all the fraction-centric characters that have been the point of Fantastic Four and Secret Wars for like three, four years now, none of them are showing up. None of the Reed's family, none of their kids, none of the uh, future foundation. It's just all that universe is sort of dead. All right. And the other sort of X-Men tangential thing we want to talk about is the the poor beleaguered Gambit movie, which (laughs) is allegedly, (laughs) right, coming out in October of next year but definitely not because they lost their director you know after the whole like Channing Tatum is he in is he out you know is he you know doing a power play to negotiate his salary sort of thing after that was resolved um then we were talking about you know which one like which woman will act opposite him Leia Sadu like Rebecca Ferguson took her name out of the running possibly because of the next thing we're going to talk about um and now they've lost their director so what's going on with Gambit movie Dave uh it's not working out um it's not working out Rupert Wyatt um is the guy who could come in and make your movie that has been in development hell for a while. Um, I was lucky enough to visit the set of Rise of the Planet of the Apes uh, when it was just called Caesar and uh, nobody knew how much they were going to connect it to the Planet of the Apes. And Rupert Wire was sort of dealing with an evolving script. Uh, He made that work fantastically and, you know, got the gambler out of it, which I did not see. But the the next one for us uh, was supposed to be Gambit, which was being assembled on the fly. And like we mentioned, Channing Tatum might have used it as a bargaining piece. And uh, 20th Century Fox sort of tipped their hand. They want uh, they think 
that Gambit's the best chance to um, replace sort of Hugh Jackman at the center of this franchise, especially since it sounds like they didn't contract the first class team out uh, beyond the trilogy because at that point it was a Matthew Vaughn, you know, Hail Mary, and we were. They didn't take know they the had 60s. Jennifer Lawrence. That's right. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence was nobody. It was a Winter's Bone girl. Who would want her? Yeah, who's that? She's just been nominated for an Oscar. Nobody cares. So, uh, yeah, Gambit. See, the thing is that uh, I could totally see it coming in November because you just do. Like, if you're willing, if you're paying Channing Tatum as much money as they probably are to lock him in for as many pictures as we hypothesized they needed him for, if there's no way it doesn't come out. Like, even it's if you know, it's like Fantastic Four. Even if it's not great, it's better for you to have the movie out there and move on than to, you know, uh, there's a financial term for this, but it's the thought that throwing more money at something will make something better when almost, like, especially in Hollywood, by the time you're at the point where you want to throw more money at it, you're almost certainly going to make it worse. It's so rare. We could, we could call it the Green Lantern Paradox because they threw $9 million <laughs> at that movie to make it look better and it didn't help at all. Whoa. So, like, um, I, don't, yeah. I don't know who they're going to throw in to replace Rupert Wyatt as Gambit, um, but like every, yeah. everything's still moving forward down in New Orleans. I actually really liked The Gambler. Um, that was the Mark Wahlberg film that came out this year mm-hmm. and i i don't know i really really liked it um i liked his movie the escapist that he did before rise of the planet of the apes but i like i don't know if rupert wyatt was our best hope for gambit or just our most uh utilitarian director for gambit but um you know you, you talked a little bit off air and this is something we talked about before the popular the question mark around the popularity of gambit and as you pointed out as you pointed out before comic book gambit is not that interesting but i think it's true that for the population that includes me that was brought up on the uh, x-men animated series uh gambit is a really beloved character for those people that's me and there might be more there might be more people now that sounds crazy to say that there's more people who watch that animated series than than who read the comic books. That sounds completely crazy. But it's possible. I all I know is that I love Gambit. That Taylor Kitsch's Gambit was an abomination. Um and that I would be so happy if Channing Tatum's Gambit Gambit A was good and B became you know, the big heavy hitter. And I think with all the buzz around Deadpool, I think what they're hoping is that Gambit and Dead, like it, that uh, a Channing Tatum and a Ryan Reynolds will be enough to fill the hole left by right. Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. That, I think so. you skipped over the argument I did, which was off podcast, which is amazing to me that I would have said Deadpool was more popular than Gambit. Yeah. That's the difference is like, I guess what, when we were saying that the difference is I was primarily reading comics in the 90s and right. that was like deadpool and Liefeld were like that was the shit image was the shit and um that was at, at the exact same time as x-men was you know being animated on tv but you just also didn't see the comic side of it i guess right exactly and then deadpool is not in the animated series to my knowledge right. so when he showed up um in which one was that x wolverine origins is that where Deadpool first showed up oh, on, yeah, on the, the film? Oh, yeah, the Wade Wilson, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was like, who's this guy? You know, I don't know him. So, you know, yeah, that's the difference between us, I guess. Okay. Have you, and so any, then, have you read any Deadpool since then? No. Mm-mm. Interesting. Well, Something about should... something about Chimichangas. I don't know. Well, there's going to be a Deadpool Spider-Man team-up series in all new, <laughs> uh, all, new, okay. all, new, all different Marvel. 
I'll, I'll I'll canary that for you. But yeah, canary that for me. That that's that's got to be a quippy team up if they get some good writers on it, which they might have. I don't know if that's mad. Anyway, Gambit. Yeah, not working. I don't know who uh, is gonna is gonna direct it. But uh, as far as I know, like Rupert Wyatt jumped off of a moving train. Like I don't think they're gonna stop uh, Gambit from being produced because they can't. Okay, so the last bit of news that we're going to cover uh, before we call it a day is that possibly the reason Rebecca Ferguson allegedly took her name out of the running to play um, on opposite Channing Tatum and Gambit is that she might be in the running for Captain Marvel, um, which is great news. What great casting, except she's not American, but it'll be fine. Um nor was Emily Blunt. That's, that's never stopped any superhero <laughs> movie before. I know, uh, but she's not just British, she's Swedish, you know? So while she can approximate a British accent pretty well, I, I, I you know, American is, you know, Joel Kinnaman is one of the rare, you know, Scandinavians who can do an American accent and make me not uh, question it. Uh, but it's hard. It's hard if you're not if English isn't your native language. I don't know enough about Rebecca Ferguson actually to even make that statement. So I'm going to walk it all back. But anyway, <laughs> she's a Swedish extraction. Um, but it is interesting to me that you know she and Emily Blunt are going to be um, working together on um, the Girl on the Train, uh, the adaptation of the best-selling book. And you know Emily Blunt is one of the names that's been kicked around a long time around Captain Marvel. So. Um, I don't know if that'll be like tense. On, I don't know. Who knows what all the stories are behind? But I was just like, oh. I think Emily Blunt's the big stick. So like you go to every actress, you're like, well, I mean, if your girl doesn't want to do it for this, we always have Emily Blunt. But I don't think Emily Blunt's actually on the line. But that's, I mean, that's something for later. Okay. Um. Yeah. So... There you go. Rebecca Ferguson, who was so great in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and um, was fine in The Rocks Hercules. And I haven't seen her TV series The White Queen, but, you know, I, I would be excited. Also that. exciting uh, for people if uh, you do you do the math. Um, why would Captain Marvel uh, be shooting at the same time as Gambit when it's supposed to come out in 2018, November? Huh? What? Think about that. Mm. Mm. Oh. Could she be showing up earlier than where, Captain Marvel? Where would, we wa- where would we want Captain Marvel to show up? Mm, that shoots early next year. Hmm. And we kind of talked about it just a little while ago. Okay, that's enough. Hey, um, hold up now. <laughs> we're not, um, we're not, there was no spoiler gone. We can't do that to people. Um, well, we talked about a lot of things a little while ago. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, there was some Doctor Strange news, wasn't there? Oh, Rachel, Rachel McAdams. McAdams. Yeah, in it. Rachel McAdams in it, in it to win it. So, and possibly Mads Mikkelsen also. So, there you go. Okay, he's in everything. Which is weird. Like, sh- shouldn't that be shooting? That's coming out in November. Doctor Strange? Yeah. I would say uh, soon. I would say November. Going to start shooting in November to come out next November. Like give it a full year, but most of it will be post-production work. All right. But I don't know. Yeah, whenever ben, a lot of galaxies whenever, and stuff. Whenever Benedict Cumberbatch gets off the stage, I expect yeah, whenever him to directly, directly <laughs> into Doctor Strange. All right. Um, anything else we want to talk about? Any other comic book news? No, that was a lot. That was good. That was a lot. 
Um, so yeah, I guess my ringing endorsement would be to read along with me with The Flash. Read along with us with Captain America. Read Giant Days. So cute. So good. Um, or read Preacher with me if you haven't. Um, that sounds fun. Anything else you want to add, Dave? Um, psych for CW television to come back. Let's, let's do it. Missing oh, superhero. Yeah. I'm missing visual hot, superhero hot input. Guy, hot girl costumes look terrible to me. The costumes look fine. So those helmets have to go. They uh, have to go. They're so classically throwback, though. But that, that's also go. Legends of Tomorrow, which, yeah. knock on wood, went with Miller Rides a Dinosaur. Hashtag went with Miller Rides a Dinosaur. Okay. <laughs> best hashtag ever all right wait wentworth miller rides a dinosaur or captain cold rides a dinosaur which is the better hashtag kid it's i mean <laughs> ooh. see captain cold rides a dinosaur for all i know that happened actually i'm almost positive with silver age like comics that that's already happened so wentworth miller rides a dinosaur okay. that's the key that's breaking new ground <laughs> all right dave where can people find your work on the internet uh you can find me at geek.com latino-review.com forbes.com podcasting and fighting in the war and on twitter at da 70 I'm Joanna Robinson. You can find me most days on VanityFair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. Otherwise, we will see you probably next week. It's for every one of us.